Anya, you've been telling me, I mean, you watch so many great shows and you always tell me to watch them, but there's one dog rescue show in particular that you've been raving about recently. Wait, what's the name of that show again? It's the American Rescue Dog Show. So it's basically like Westminster, but for rescue dogs. And it's such a fun show to watch. It's a very feel-good show. And plus, they donate money to rescues through the show itself. Um, but we're talking with the creator and executive producer of it, Michael Levitt, who has a background in rescue shows as well and a very, very deep passion for rescuing dogs. I'm excited. Let's chat with him. So, uh, Michael, thank you again for joining us today. We are so excited to have the opportunity to chat with you. And I guess to get started, could you give us some background on how you got started working in TV and then what inspired you to start producing shows focused on animals? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you both today and talk about all things dogs and animals. Um, I started out uh, as a latchkey kid. Uh, and for those that don't know that term, maybe that's an old school term. I basically grew up sitting on the couch watching TV my whole childhood. And my mom and dad used to actually give me a hard time because they're like, you need to go outside and all you do is watch TV. And you can imagine how much fun that was when I became a producer as an adult and I could throw that back in their face and say, hey, that was research. But um, yeah, so I was enamored by the gl glitz and glamour of Hollywood. I loved all those award shows and red carpet specials and all things variety television and just knew that that was a direction I wanted to go. And in school, all my friends knew I was destined to work in the entertainment industry and uh, I weaseled my way into becoming a production assistant when I was uh, 16 years old. Um, my parents, and I give them a lot of credit, they were very supportive. So when I was in high school, I took zero period. I would get out of school at noon and my mom would let me borrow her car. And on Tuesdays and Fridays, I would drive to Los Angeles. We lived about an hour away and I would work as a production assistant on shows like The Facts of Life and Different Strokes and One Day at a Time, um, which is, you know, dating and aging me as I tell you that. But um, it was, you know, an amazing experience. Most of my friends were working, you know, at hamburger places, which is cool. But I was working on all these shows and it allowed me to really get a head start. And um, as a result of that, I, I got the opportunity to work on the Emmy Awards. And uh, loved the whole award show vibe and working in live television. And that kind of just sent me in that path of making TV specials and all of that. Um, and so I had been doing that for 20-something years at that point. And uh, in 2011, my sister, sadly, was dying of cancer. Um, I knew she had limited time. And it was then that I told my partner, Mark, that I felt like, I wanted to adopt a dog after she passed. I felt like the timing was right. I hadn't had uh, a dog in my life since I was a little boy. And I think I was a little too young to fully appreciate the experience. I mean, I loved her. Her name was Sneakers. She was a, a black mutt with white paws. So we were either going to call her Boots or Sneakers, and she became Sneakers. Um, but I hadn't had uh, a dog in for most of my life and certainly my adult life. So 
it was my birthday in 2011. And I was with one of my closest friends, Jill. And I said, you know what, let's go look at a pet adoption at a local Petco. And so she came with me and there were all these dogs, little dogs yapping in their uh, kennels or cages or whatever. And over in the corner was this like white, I didn't know what kind of dog it was. I wasn't really well read on different breeds, but I just knew it was very cute. And I said to the lady, can I see that dog? And the woman who ran the rescue at the event, she was gross. She was like a carny. I couldn't believe that they let her bring dogs to her, to their Petco. Um, And I love Petco, by the way. But she had like folded bills between her hands and bad teeth. And she was just, it was gross. But she says, get that dog for that guy over there and her little helpers pulled the dog out and he came over to me and my friend Jill said, oh no, that's a pit bull. Oh no. And I said, well, wait a minute. And the dog came over to me, jumped on my lap, started licking my face and then little kids started coming over and the dog turned around with his butt towards me, started licking the kids' faces. And my friend Jill said, okay, maybe. And I'm like, he's so cute. And I'm like, but he's the first dog I've looked at. Let, you know, let me think about it. Uh, thank you so much. We'll be back. Um, which is something my mother always says to people in stores. She never buys anything. And she goes, we'll be back. We went on a cruise once to Alaska. <laughs> do you, does she take a business card? No, I wish we were I definitely do that where I'm like, where I'm like, I'll take a business card and go to your oh, website later. <laughs> that's it. That shows you're semi-serious. No, she's just with her sweet faces. We'll be back. We were on a cruise in Alaska in some town Sitka. And she told that to the, the, per, the person at a store in the port. We'll be back. And my sister's like, mom, we're in Alaska. We're not coming back. But anyway, I said that to the rescue people, but I left and I couldn't stop thinking about this dog. And the next day I tracked down this rescue lady through the Petco and I said, is that dog still available? And she said, yes. Um, I said, you know, can I come to your rescue event at the same place next weekend and bring my partner? And can I put some sort of deposit on the dog? So I would be in first position. And she said, yes. And I said, and if anyone else is interested, get their info because I don't want the dog to miss out on a home. So my plan the next weekend was to come back with my partner, Mark, to show him this dog. And we were at our home in Palm Springs and I got a phone call the day we were going to go see the dog that my sister had taken a turn for the worse. And it was very emotional. And Mark very close to my sister, we got in a terrible fight over something. And I, I was like, you know, F you, I can't believe you're talking to me this way when my sister's dying. And why are we together? We've been together, you know, 20 something years at that point or whatever. But I was very emotional. And I said, and forget about the dog, obviously, and I'm out of here and I'm going to go be by my sister's bedside. So I took off in my own car, went to my mother's house where my sister was in hospice thinking my life sucks, my sister's dying. You know, it's a terrible time, very sad, sobbing. And four hours later, Mark, my partner, walked through the door of my mother's house with that dog. So he went there based on a photo I had shared and adopted the dog, brought him to my, me. This dog ran in the house, kissed me, peed on my mother's couch, which was fine. Um, 
And it was the most incredible thing. My sister met him. She passed away four days later. And I learned firsthand that adage, who rescued who, when this dog came into our life at a very difficult time when I was struggling. And we named him Trooper, Trooper Francis. And he rocked our world. And he showed me how incredible rescue dogs are. And he is really the catalyst for what got me involved in rescue and in uh, television. So that's the first part of the story. That, yeah, that's amazing. And I, I was wondering when Trooper peed on your mom's couch, was that his way of saying, uh, we'll be back? <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. And and at my sister's memorial, we left him at my mom's house during the memorial and went back to check on him um, in between the memorial and the little celebration for her. And he had chewed all of my mom's um, curtains and blinds and jumped on the counter and eaten all the frosting off of the cupcakes. And she lives on a street called Appaloosa Trail. So we refer to that as the massacred Appaloosa Trail. But he's, he has since become, uh, well, he always has been the most incredible, well-behaved, beautiful dog, such an amazing ambassador for the breed. And he really changed our life and changed my life. And then what happened was uh, a year later, we saw another dog online uh, in New York City. Um, in New York, they used to have a website called Urgent Part 2, which is where they actually post the dogs that are being euthanized the next day at the shelter. And a lot of people think that that is terrible, but it's actually a great thing because what it does is it focuses all the rescues on the dogs that are the priorities to get out of there. And I saw this dog on there and I'm like, this dog, he can't be killed. I don't live in New York. What do I do? And someone said, don't tell this lady I gave you her number, but call this rescue. And I called her and I said, hi, I'm a Hollywood producer. Cause if I'm ever going to play the producer card, it's going to be to save a dog. And, uh, how, what can I do to help <laughs> save this dog? And I talked her into saving him and she pulled him before hours before he was to be euthanized. She tried to get him adopted, but, um, in New York, as you can imagine, big dogs, especially pits are incredibly hard to get um, adopted because everyone's got apartments, but we kept tabs on him and his name was Nelson. And six months later I was doing a show in New York and Mark and I went to meet him in person and he came out of the boarding place and jumped in my arms and said, take me, pick me, take me. And I, that was it. And I, I didn't know if he would be a match for trooper, but I knew he wasn't getting adopted in New York. So I was committed to bringing him back to California and try and find a home for him. And uh, fortunately, he and Trooper hit it off. We were crating Nelson at first when we would leave because we weren't sure about, you know, if they would get along. And we came home one day and they were both out of, he was out of the, the crate and they were both at the window looking at us. And I was like, oh, maybe we didn't lock the door correctly. And the next time we made sure it was secure, did the same thing, came home. He was out of the crate and it happened two or three times. Come to find out Trooper was figuring out how to get him out and the rest is history. But that's a good friend. Oh, that's he's a such great a good friend. friend. <laughs> I've had a lot of friends, you know, bail me out of places I didn't want to be. <laughs> out of, yeah. Well, it was meant to be. <laughs> Thankfully and, not out of jail. <laughs> yeah. Doggy jail. But 
You know, to answer your question in a very long-winded sort of way, those two dogs really showed me the, the beauty of rescues and, and how when you rescue a dog, that experience of having a dog is upgraded tenfold because you know you've saved their life and they let you know it every single day. And what happened was I basically got so involved in dog rescue because of Trooper and Nelson Nelson is the one from New York, by the way, um, that I took a year off from producing just to rescue dogs. And I was in the trenches going to shelters several times a week, really learning the do's and don'ts of rescue and really understanding the plight of dogs in our shelters. And, you know, as a rescuer, I'm saving one at a time, which is amazing because people that rescue animals are heroes doing God's work in my opinion. But I knew as a television producer, there was so much more I could do to create awareness on a national level. And that's what really inspired me to start creating rescue themed programming that could have an impact on a national level. That's incredible. And it's, it's, I think an interesting part to me about your story is that you got a dog later in life and had such a transformative experience later in life because of an animal. And I think um, we often forget that dogs can, or just rescue animals in general, can have an impact at someone at any stage of their life too. And I think we often think of animals coming into someone's life at a younger age, not later. Um, So that I love that part about your story too, and that how it kind of shifted in some ways, the focus of where your career went in some capacity of the type of storytelling you focused on. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a great point. It, it changed my life in so many ways. I think that, you know, prior to Trooper, if I were driving down the street and I saw a dog running loose, I would likely have kept going like, you know, oh, there's a dog, you know, on the side of the street by himself or by herself. Uh, now I, I fully understand that dogs are family and that those, that that dog likely belongs to somebody. And if not, it's in need of help. And, you know, now I carry leashes and leads and snacks and treats in my trunk of my car because I'm always ready to go save a dog and I will stop whatever I'm doing to help an animal in need. Um, but yeah, um, Having Trooper come into my life when my sister was dying, as I said, really, um, you know, he saved me. And I just know the power of ha- of what having a dog or an animal, and especially a rescue animal, how incredible it is. And I'm sure you both agree through the pandemic how how I don't know how I would have gotten through the hard times of the pandemic without my animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, my I actually got my dog uh, during the pandemic as well, um, and it was I've talked about this a little bit in prior episodes, but it was a serendipitous type of thing that happened. I went to a farmer's market. This woman had my dog Ruthie. Her name was Starlight. At the, Starlight at the time, and I changed it to Ruthie because I felt Starlight was too much of a stripper name. Right, right. <laughs> and I didn't want to be yelling that at the dog park. Hilarious. Um, but this woman had Ruthie. This woman had Ruthie with her, and I just saw her, and I said, "Oh, I love your dog. She's so sweet." And she goes, "Oh, she's up for adoption." And she hasn't been made available yet because she's still nursing this litter that she had a few weeks ago. And I just looked at her and I just 
knew that she was my dog, did a formal meet and greet with her the next day. And then a couple days later, she was coming home with me. She found you. It was very much, we found each other and now we're two peas in a pod. Don't do anything without each other. But she enhanced my life in so many different ways. And I, I had dogs growing up. And kind of like you, you're talking about boots. Like I loved my dogs growing up, but the connection that I have to Ruthie is so much different and and deeper and more meaningful, I think, that I, I don't really know how to explain it sometimes to people, but I feel like she's a part of me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, RBG. <laughs> yes. Ruthie Barker Ginsburg. Hilarious. <laughs> She's so beautiful. <laughs> By the way, when you said that um, you. <laughs> that the lady told you she's available for adoption but not um, officially listed, it made me think of realtors when they when they call the houses pocket listings. I wonder if they, <laughs> that term would be funny for dogs that aren't quite available yet. <laughs> she's a a pocket listing rescue. I love that. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. But yeah, the so these and yeah, I mean, it's, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, there's a little bit of echo still on my end, but go ahead. No, I just uh, they they are a part of us. Um, for me, it's it's so extreme that it's like because the world is so uncertain and there's so much bad behavior out there, and people are so unpredictable. I always say probably on a daily basis i just prefer to be around my dogs cuz they never let me down and they're and they're not i have left they're not so perfect. many <laughs> you know i i say the perfect they're the perfectly imperfect and i wouldn't have it any other way sorry go ahead on you i can't I can't tell you how many dates I have been on where I'm like all right i'm ready to go home and go be on the couch with my dog <laughs> Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen, um, it was on social media, it was uh, some guy who, I hope I'm going to do justice to this, some guy who posted that he was dating this woman and it, the, he, the, the title of the post was, um, I have to give up my partner or, or whatever, I have to up for, I, I have to rehome my partner or rehome my whatever. But the idea was that the the girlfriend didn't like the dog and didn't want the dog. And as he's describing it, you think he's giving his dog away, but ultimately you realize he's giving up his girlfriend because the dog comes first. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael, so I'm curious, what, as a producer, like as a producer in Hollywood, what do you think your strengths were? Because I, you know, Anya and I are both uh, producers ourselves, mostly, um, I'll say, shorter form, you know, branded content. And there are things that I think both of us, you know, do well. And then, you know, maybe gaps that we have where you know, somebody else is able to fill that. And I'm curious, like, what do you think made you an awesome producer? What, what do you usually bring to your productions? Well, since I don't have someone here to toot my horn on my behalf, I guess you've given me permission to toot my own horn. Um, I think that my strengths are that I'm very creative. I'm an ideas guy. I think of myself as a, a showman and I'm always going to have a ton of ideas and eight of them might suck, but two of them are gold. 
And so I think that what I bring to my shows are, is creativity. Um, when people watch my productions, they will say to me, I knew that was your show before I saw the credits because they just know my producing style. Everything that I do, whether it's an animal rescue show or an award show or a music concert or a game show, whatever format I'm working in or genre, um, the theme is feel good. I'm not into train wreck programming. And uh, nothing makes me happier than to create these water cooler moments that people talk about the next day. And you're so right, Julia, because I was just thinking about this, that at some point I would love to teach at a college, like do a course on production. And, you know, like, for example, post-production, not my strength. I hate post. Um, it's miserable to me. Um, but it's an important part of the process, but I hire people that are great at it to fill in the gaps. Um, I'm not the most technical producer. Um, I'm very visual, but as you both know, part of being a great producer is assembling a really talented team. And, uh, so that's how I make it work. I, I bring the creative, I bring the ideas. Um, I don't want to sell myself short. I mean, I do sit in post-production and I do watch cuts and I do give notes and all of that. But my favorite thing is, um, you know, the pre-production and the execution of the actual show and being on set and all of that. And so having that reputation for ideas and creativity, when you brought your first animal show to a network, what was the reaction? Was it positive? Did they get it? Or was there any sort of skepticism? Well, that's a great question. Um, you would think there would be so many animal lovers that are running networks. And uh, sadly, I don't think there are. Uh, it's not the easiest sell. And even networks that have the name animal in them aren't even so passionate about animals the way I think they should be. You know, for them, it's a business and it's quite shocking to me. So um, nothing is an easy sell in today's climate, as you both know. But my first rescue show was, uh, and this is picking up on where I left off a little earlier in our conversation, when I realized that I could do so much more as a producer, I came up with an idea that ultimately became called cause for pause and the format or the premise was it was basically a prime time dogathon or telethon and the idea would be that celebrities would showcase various dogs that are available for rescue on this shiny stage and that viewers could that were interested could go online find the profile of that dog and apply to adopt that dog through the rescue that was sponsoring them and so I put together uh, a really great pitch and I went out, made the rounds to all the networks, um, got a lot of interest, but couldn't get it past the finish line. And I knew that I was hell bent on making it happen because when it comes to saving dogs, I'm fearless. And I knew that I would not give up on it. And so I felt like I needed to attach a celebrity and I had read that Hillary Swank was a big dog person. And so I reached out to her via her reps, didn't know her, but said who I am and my background. And fortunately, uh, they listened. And the next thing I knew, I was having coffee with Hillary, 
pitched her my idea. She loved it. And we partnered on this project. We went back out, made the rounds to all the networks again. And I remember I had a executive at one of the big three networks say to me, you know, well, Michael, tell me what's different about this project than when you brought it to me before. And I pointed and I said, her to Hillary, if it, you know, if it takes bringing a double Oscar winner in to seal the deal, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, so I was able to, with Hillary's support, we were able to sell the show uh, to Fox. And it was their primetime Thanksgiving Day special in 2014. Uh, Hillary hosted it with Jane Lynch. We had, you know, Channing Tatum and... Gosh, everybody. The, Miley Cyrus did a segment on, on pit bulls and Betty White did a segment on senior dogs and the Osbournes talked about special needs. And so we wove all that incredible messaging throughout. We had performances. It was really great. And uh, it was a big hit. Uh, it got a lot of attention. A lot of dogs got adopted, but not just on the show itself, but we know that because of the the exposure, it created an uptick in adoptions all over the country. And then Fox w did the show again the next year. But uh, as you both know how it works in this industry, after year two, the person who bought the show was fired at the network. A new group came in. They weren't big animal people. It wasn't part of their new programming mandate. And they canceled the show. And I... I was so bummed because I knew how valuable that show was. And I knew that I had to figure out a way to get another show back on the air because it was so successful. And that's how uh, the American Rescue Dog Show came about, which is the show that was recently on ABC and Hulu. Uh, initially, uh, I had sold that show along with my friends and animal advocate producing partners, um, Jill Gallardi and Jennifer Schultz, who are amazing people doing wonderful rescue work in the trenches. Um, together, we sold uh, the American Rescue Dog Show to the Hallmark Channel in 2018. And the format of that show is different than the one we did on Fox. The American Rescue Dog Show is like a Westminster dog show, a traditional fancy dog show with judges and tuxedos and a fancy arena. But on the American Rescue Dog Show, we don't judge them on their bloodlines or confirmation. We celebrate their cuteness in such categories as best in snoring, best in couch potato, best in belly rubs, best ears, best underbite, best... Uh, best fetch, right? Best fetching. Um, we've had categories, uh, best uh, wiggle butt. Um, and it's all meant to, you know, celebrate the perfectly imperfect. And I think that format resonated even more than the Fox show did, which was so great in and of itself, because it's that dichotomy of seeing these silly, funny, perfectly imperfect dogs in this fancy British type of arena and showing viewers that, that rescue dogs are every bit as good as dogs that you could buy from a, a, a breeder. Well, what's what was great to me about that show too is that you have dogs that are full breeds on there too. So it's it shows that you can get a full breed dog if you want one from a rescue. It doesn't 
you don't have to go and buy one necessarily. And so I think you have a really good diverse group of dogs within the show itself to show what the variety of dogs you can get. Absolutely. Um, You know, anybody, we're all replaceable and, you know, anybody can produce shows or not anybody, but, you know, we're all replaceable. But I think in the case of this show, um, because I have a background in rescue, because I lived and breathed it for so many years and I know the do's and don'ts and I know what the challenges are in getting animals adopted and what the myths are and you know, what, what we need to convey in a show, we were very, very strategic and methodical about how we put the show together. And first and foremost, the show is cuteness overload. It's, it makes you laugh. It makes you cry, but it makes you cry tears of joy. There's nothing sad about the show. It's all warm fuzzies, but we literally had a list of all the messaging that we felt was important to, to convey to the viewers and wove that throughout the show. So to your point, Anya, yes, many people don't know you can find purebred dogs in shelters. 25% of all dogs in shelters are pure breeds. And so by having um, some of those represented on the show, you know that some viewers are going to go, look at that purebred bulldog or look at that gorgeous Afghan hound that looks like it just walked out of Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton's house. I can't believe you can find that dog in rescue. Let's go online and look up Afghan rescue. And so that's what was so great about the show. Having rescue puppies. Many people don't know you can find puppies in rescues. Um, Showing people the joy of uh, adopting a senior dog. What an incredibly beautiful experience that is or a special needs dog. It's all those little things that we were able to not hit people over the head with, but show them in this beautifully entertaining way. How do you go about finding the dogs as far as how you're casting them for a program like this? So my colleague, Jill Gillardi, who's an executive producer, also oversees all of our casting. And she, along with a woman named Vanessa Tamayo, also wonderful they're probably at rescue events right now, by the way. So they're the real deal. They cast the show. And what we do is we put out a call to action on social media. Um, and we list the categories and we ask people to submit their, their dogs. Uh, 95% of all the dogs on the American Rescue Dog Show are already adopted. So they're being escorted by their forever mom or forever dad. However, this year we did have a handful of dogs that were uh, accompanied by their fosters, which again, a great way for us to talk about fostering. Um, And you can imagine how fun, but how difficult the process is of picking the dogs that actually end up on the show. I mean, how do you pick one from the other? They're all amazing. And so we're so grateful to everyone that takes the time to enter. And some dogs that don't get picked one year end up coming on the next year because maybe we already have our enough bulldogs or enough pities. And so the reason we might say no isn't because they're not amazing, but because we want to have a wide range of animals. So most dogs end up on the show at one point or another. And so for people listening to the podcast, um, if they follow me on social at Michael Levitt, 
M-I-C-H-A-E-L-L-E-V-I-T-T underscore one um, on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Um, I definitely post the uh, casting information uh, at the point that we're, we're taking submissions. I was about to ask that because I definitely want to get Ruthie on there. Uh, she would do excellent in the couch potato uh, so part. <laughs> here's, here's the dilemma, Anya. Now that we know each other, that might be a disqualifier for the network because of standards and practices because that would be called nepotism. Since we know. <laughs> But um, no, it's have fine. Have you used that word before? I no, have. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, <laughs> you know, bad dad jokes. Yeah, no. I love it. It's part of my <laughs> shtick. But no, yeah, definitely I would love for you to submit uh, Ruthie. <laughs> I got a lot of I got a lot of them. a production like that. <laughs> I love that. And, and putting putting on a production like this too, what are the rules and regulations with having animals on set uh, for something like this? Now, that's a great question. By the way, you were teasing me about my, my dog comedy material. Just to tell you quickly, um, <laughs> my dog Trooper has such pretty features, big, beautiful eyelashes. He looks like he's wearing eyeliner and people often mistake him for a girl. And my joke is, no, Trooper's a boy, um, although he is a little light in the paws, if you know what I mean. So I always use that joke too. <laughs> anyway, always gets a good laugh. Um, but anyway, the, what, what was your question? The, the, the protocol for dogs on the show? Yeah, because there's different standards, correct, for having animals on set? Yeah, so... The safety of the dogs is our biggest priority, and we would never compromise that. Um, all the dogs that are submitted that participate on the American Rescue Dog Show, of course, have to be spay or neutered because we know that that's what responsible people do. Uh, and they have to be up to date on their vaccines. So we get up to date vaccine records. If they come from other states, they have to have health certificates. We have several trainers on set. We have several veterinarians on set. We also have American Humane on set, the organization that uh, TV and movie uh, productions use where they're a third party uh, representative that's ensuring that we are doing everything to put the animal safety first. That's when you see at the end of the show that you get the American Humane seal. Um, and we're just very thoughtful about everything we do. We have a potty area. We've got, um, you know, water bowls everywhere. We ask that uh, people keep five feet apart from each other with their dogs if they can. Um, you know, and, and fortunately, we've had no mishaps and, and we hope to keep it that way. So no one's gotten loose backstage or anything like that. There's been no uh, ruckus. <laughs> no, uh, not to, not to my knowledge. No, we've we've done well. By the way, um, on our show, I'm just a joke a minute, but this is true. On our show, we have our VIP room is stands for very important pooch, and <laughs> like all celebrity live events. We give our talent, um, they all get 
stars on their dressing rooms, all the dogs. Um, but they don't get swag bags. We give them wag bags. So all the dogs get little gift baskets with treats and everything. It's, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. That sounds incredible. And yeah, I asked the question about chaos behind the scenes because I remember a few years ago, my mom went to a, a cat show, which is not normally something she would do. She's more of a dog person, right. but she went to the cat show and some of the cats got loose and like took off from their handlers. My mom was like, it was bedlam like you would not believe. Wow. I hope it all turned out okay. But yeah, that would not be fun. <laughs> we actually, um, <laughs> on this show this last year, we had a comedy bit where uh, I saw a cat online who had the most incredible ears, like huge and so we have a best in ears category. So the plan was to say, please welcome your finalists, your semifinalists for best in ears and have, you know, all seven of the dogs come parading out. And as the camera goes one by one, you know, we have a Pekingese, a Chihuahua, a Pitbull, a kitty cat, and then reveal this cat with the big ears. And, uh, the cat canceled on us two days before. Like I'm That's used to- That's such a cat thing to do. It is I'm such sorry. a cat thing to do. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to having J-Lo cancel on me, but not a kitty cat. Um, so I, it was quite funny. And uh, I gave the cat person a hard time. And then I said, I'll show her. And uh, I booked a pig instead, a pig <laughs> yeah, with great yeah, ears. That was funny. Yeah. So then I told the person, your cat's off the hook. I replaced your cat with a pig. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it turned out great. It did. That was, was a really say, funny part in the show. Definitely. Thank uh, you an so upgrade. much. And you, you have worked with a lot of celebrities on the different programs that you've done around dog rescue. Is there a celebrity that comes to mind that you think has had the most influence around animal rescue? Well, I would be remiss to not first and foremost bring up Betty White, who, you know, was a pioneer in dog rescue from the early days. And one of the, back in the 70s was one of the core people that founded an organization called Actors and Others for Animals, which um, I think think just recently they maybe that charity ended but we're talking you know 40 years of celebrities supporting animals and Betty was at the forefront of that and then you had Bob Barker who on you know on the prices right was encouraging people to spay and neuter their animals every day so i have to give people like that a lot of credit for sort of being the first um as far as sort of now I am such a, a fan of Kaylee Cuoco, who, you know, is big and famous and hot as she is hot, meaning relevant and in demand, oh, also hot and beautiful and all that. Um, we'll, we'll do, we'll do t things when she's requested that support dog rescue. And if she can find the time, she will say yes. And her representatives know that. Like they know, even if it's a, a small event, you know, they will run it by her. Sometimes she's not available, but she wants to know everything animal rescue related because she wants to be supportive. So I'm grateful to people like that. Paula Abdul always steps up to do her part 
another one that's always walking the walk and happy to participate when she can. Um, but there, well, there, she might do a little dance with it too, not just walking. Oh yes, that's true. And in fact, a little funny thing <laughs> on the Cause for Pause show, I had her come out and she was featuring a, a very hyper young Dalmatian on the stage. And when she was exiting the, the Dalmatian, pulled her and she fell in front of the entire audience, fell down. And uh, we were not live. And I told her representative, please, you know, I'm so sorry. And please let her know, we will cut around that. We are so sorry. And she called me herself and said, no, don't cut around it. Let's play the comedy of it. It was funny. And dogs do that. And she was just all in. And I love her for that. It reminds me of recently when I was walking Ruthie and I told Julia the story, but I wasn't looking down to see what was on the ground in front of me. I was just looking forward and I had Ruthie with me and a coffee in my hand. And suddenly I just start slipping and Ruthie's pulling me in the other direction. I'm slipping in the other direction while the coffee's in my hand. And it was frosting in the middle of the street, just oh, melted no. frosting in the middle of the street that I was danger that I was slipping on. And I fell hard. Ruthie did nothing. She did not help me at all. No. She went to try to lick the frosting. Of course she did. I did not spill my coffee though. <laughs> so. Wow. That's impressive. There's there's some street cam that there's some street I'm cam sure that, that captured that. all of that. I'm sure. <laughs> if you find it, please share that. Oh, yeah, I'll be but, sharing it. I'll be sharing it. <laughs> there's um there's there's quite a few celebrities. Miley Cyrus, um, I also goes out of her way to support rescue and is a big advocate. And I'm loving seeing um I haven't had her on any of my shows, but you know, Billie Eilish will speak out, Ariana Grande, um, pink, massive supporter of rescue. Um, I love seeing that, but that being said, I want there to be more. I want more celebrities to rescue because they have such influence. I mean, can you imagine if um, a Kardashian spoke out about, you know, we don't buy our dogs, we rescue them? how amazing that would be and how many dogs would be saved as a result of that. So that's kind of a goal of mine to get. Um, I'd love to get the Kardashians uh, on the team. Yeah. And they do, I know that they do have animals. I've seen some of the dogs that they have gotten. I do think they're purebreds or not. They've gotten them from breeders, but you're right. I mean, there's, I think part of, you know, this show, what we've talked about with different people who have built really large followings, particularly around their animals, is the importance of them using their platform to educate people on the breeds that they do have, but also around just educating people, generally speaking, around rescue as well. And we've had a lot of great conversations with people around that on this podcast because they do feel that they have a platform now that they've built a large one around their animal to educate people. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, one person that uh, I would love to turn, if you will, um, is the artist Pitbull, um, who has yet to say, you know, he, he own, he's taken the name, he's entitled the name Pitbull. How great would it be if he became an advocate for the breed? Um, and people, you know, guys like that, that, that could speak out and talk about 
the importance of, you know, animals being family and not leaving them outside in the backyard and, you know, getting them, getting them neutered is not taking away their machismo. Um, you know, that's the kind of messaging we need to work on and get out there. And I totally agree on you that having these celebrities that have that platform is a really great way to do it. And that's, you know, gets back to the, the TV shows that I make. Um, anytime we can, you know, present them that information in an entertaining a way that, that doesn't make people feel bad, but just educates them and shows them why it's important is so valuable. It really is. And I like what you just said about um, the education that happens once the dog comes home. So there's like the education to encourage people to go and take the step of, you know, looking at these dogs, considering them, and then adopting one. But then there's also the education of what happens once they get back home with the dog and making sure that that dog is a forever part of somebody's home, that they're set up to, to do that successfully. It's something Ani and I talk about a lot, you know, just how can people get more information on what it means to be a good dog parent. You don't leave the dog outside. You don't leave it in the car when it's hot in the summertime. And like all of those other details sometimes aren't always a part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the focus a lot around rescue is the joy that you feel when they get home, but not the after. What happens after the puppy runs around or the dog runs around and they're really excited? There's so many things that come afterwards. And to he's on really somebody's take couch. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, you're, you're so right. And, you know, um, I hear quite often people say, we applied at a rescue and it was so difficult and they, tur they turned us down and they make it so difficult. That's why we went and bought a dog. And, I, and my response is, so are you saying because these dogs are in rescue that that they should any old home will do like rescue dogs deserve the best home ever they've already been failed once so we should be thanking these rescues that are vetting the applicants and making sure that they're a good match and that they're set up for success if they didn't pick you it's because they don't think you're the right home for that dog. And it may not be about you. It may be about the dog and their temperament and all of that. And to your point, um, yeah, I, I think, I wish there was a universal like pamphlet or booklet that every rescue could hand out. I know some rescues do have it in some organizations, but yes, it's the care of when you get the dog and bring them home. Um, I live in Los Angeles where there's a huge coyote problem. And you read on next door so many times about how people lose their dogs tragically because they didn't realize coyotes can jump their fence or that I thought coyotes only come out in the middle of the night. Well, no, they, they come out all the time now because they're so desperate for water and they can jump over 10 foot fences and you shouldn't let your dog in the backyard unattended. And yes, if there's a pack of them, they can take on your big dog and, um, so like I always want coyote education and, you know, the importance of heartworm medication and not leaving your dog in a car or I am, I live in Palm Springs part-time and a lot of people don't realize that the pavement is like a frying pan and that 
they don't think that their dog's feet are on something that could be 130 degrees. So all those types of things would be so great if it was all in one booklet that people got when they adopted, you know, it'd be great. Totally. Like I told Anya that my hope one day is that I could like afford to set up some sort of organization that's just like education focused, like here's how to be a really good dog parent. And, you know, if they go to the beach, make sure you bring fresh water, salt water will kill them. And like, no, they can't have chocolate and grapes. And you think that everybody knows this stuff, but then you realize that actually they don't. And it depends on what, you know, information people are able to obtain and through where, and there needs to be some sort of centralized database that here's like the basic things that you can do to give your dog an awesome life. I think it's a great idea. And I think something that is super comprehensive and addresses so many topics there. Uh, I have a dear friend who lost a dog to a Sago Palm. Are you familiar with that? Sago Palms, you'll look it up. They, they're, they're very prevalent in California and probably a lot of other States. They look like little tiny palm trees and people have them in their yards. They look tropical. They're like palm tree bushes. They are highly poisonous and they have the seeds on them are sweet, um, like syrup, and it and dogs tend to want to lick them. And if they lick them, they it's a it's an emergency of the highest degree. Most dogs don't survive it. It's like 50-50 chance they'll survive and their organs shut down and they die. And uh, I did a show called um, Ask Oprah's All-Stars, which included Dr. Phil. Uh, who talked about mental health, Susie Orman, who talked about finances, and then Dr. Oz. And I had Dr. Oz do a whole segment on Sago Palms because I wanted to educate uh, dog owners, like, do not let your dogs lick them if you're on a walk. And if you have them in your yard, you need to get rid of them. So that's another example of the kind of things that, you know, would be so important to convey to people and save so many animals' lives. Well, it's so wonderful what you're doing with the shows that you've produced and the awareness that you've brought to rescue. And if I understand correctly, I, I say I want to know though if there was bias in this this last show, American Dog Rescue, because a pit bull won, Capone, right. a snoring pit bull, right? Was there any you know free what? bias you're- there? <laughs> Are you saying bias to not pick him or bias to pick him because he was such a great... To pick him. Yeah, you're not the (laughs) first one to ask that question. And I'm happy to tell you because ABC is so by the book with their standards and practices. We had lawyers all around us and uh, they, they were very adamant that it was the judge's decision. So each of the semifinal rounds had a floor judge, one per category. And then for the final round, so all the cute categories, best in belly rub and ears and underbite, they advanced to the final for best in rescue. And for that category, as you know, we brought in Paula Abdul, Leslie Jordan, and Yvette Nicole Brown as celebrity judges. They watched the final round. And then all of our previous expert judges, of which there were four, huddled. So there were four expert judges, three celebrity dog-loving judges, all seven of them huddled and had the conversation. And I'm happy to say they authentically 
and legitimately picked Capone um, because he was an amazing dog. And I got teary-eyed being a, having three pits of my own. Um, I got really teary-eyed because I knew how huge that was for the breed. Um, Our previous winners, we've had a senior dog win, just, you know, mutts that are just all kinds of breeds. But we never had a pit bull win the the best in rescue. So it was huge, huge, huge. But no, Capone deserved it and he won it legitimately. Fair and square. Yeah. And wait, so you you talked about your two other pits, Nelson and Trooper. Right. Right. Is it Nelson? Correct. Who's the third? Where'd the third one come in? Okay. Uh, right when the pandemic started, we always thought we were only going to have two dogs. First of all, we thought we were only going to have one dog, you know, that's enough. Troopers, a one dog kind of pooch. And I had a friend tell me, you know what? Having two is no different than one because you're putting food in the bowl. You put it in two bowls. You're taking one for a walk. You got one on your left hand, one on your right. And they were so right. It's pretty, it, it does not really change your lifestyle to have two, but going from two to three, does make it a little harder. Like if you want to go to a restaurant or whatever, we never thought we'd get a third one, but when the pandemic hit and there was this concern about animals in our shelters being left or, or more being surrendered because of the economy, we felt like we needed to do our part. And I had come across a dog online that had been in the shelter for four years, four years. And the video, he was adorable, uh, another pity And I said, we can't let this dog live this final chapter. Maybe we need to foster this dog. And we found out this dog had cancer. They had just diagnosed him with cancer on his nose. And uh, we still took him. I'm like, that's all the more reason to get him out of there. And we knew what we were up against. And so we took him home and his name was Gino. And we did a bucket list with him took him to the snow, took him to Sedona, took him to the beach, belly rubs, cozy bed, all of that. And uh, he passed five months later. It was brutal. Um, And so angry that he was in the shelter four years and so sad that he got such a bad, you know, hand dealt to him with the cancer and all that, but he left this planet knowing he was loved, you know? And so we did, we did our job and, uh, God, it was, it was horrible, but I wouldn't, I would do it all over again because of that. So anyway, he passed in um, August of 2001, 21, 2021 in the middle of the pandemic and we were grieving him. And then, um, a rescue friend asked us if we would consider an, a dog named Archie, who is just so similar to Gino. Um, and Archie was uh, abandoned by his family when they moved. They left him in the backyard and the neighbors were feeding him. And he lived on the streets of South Central LA for an entire year. And some nice neighbors that were feeding him saw this rescue on Instagram and they reached out and the rescue went and got him. And my partner, Mark, and I went to meet him, and that was it. And so we will have had Archie for almost two years. 
Archie's got the most insane underbite. He just follows me around. That's all. I'll share a photo. <laughs> and uh, he's sweet as can be. So we, so we have Trooper, Nelson, and Archie, three old men, um, and they are amazing. All three of them have health issues now, so uh, it's a full-time job, and you, know, you have to struggle every day to not think about their mortality. But again, they're happy and we're giving, you know, they're, they're living a life most dogs could only dream about. And as hard as it is to know that, you know, they're living their final chapter, I, when I think about the life they would have had without us, I'm just so, so happy that we've been able to provide them this magical life and they know how loved they are. By the way, someone told me, and I love this. Someone told me God made a mistake because snakes live to be 40 or 50 and dogs only get 12 or 15. And I always think about that. Um, you know, I wish that they could be with us so much longer. So, Yeah, I, I tell Julia all the time. I mean, and I say this too every day to, to Ruthie. I say, I, I say, live forever. Just try to find a way to live forever because I can't imagine my life without her. And it, it, even though she, she's young, she's about six and she's healthy, but they're owning a dog, owning an animal, you know, that at some point it's going to come to an end and it is hard not to think about that. And so I just try to force myself to be in the present with her and just enjoy every moment that I can with her because one day I won't have those moments, but it's still, it's still there in the back of my mind. Well, Someone told me once as humans, we have this amazing ability to compartmentalize and it's true. And I think you have to, you have to put that away, put it in the back of your mind, like you said, because you don't want to look back and say, I didn't enjoy them for their senior years because I was just so worried that they're not going to be, you know, with us. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job of that. Um, believe me, I think about it, but I don't let it override the joy I have with them in the moment. And another thing that I want to say in regard to all of this is that how important it is for people to get pet insurance. Um, the, the thousands and thousands of dollars that I've spent on my dogs for healthcare, of which 90% has been covered by insurance, I'm so grateful because I don't hesitate to take them to the vet when they need something. And I think that as our dogs get older, they are going to need help. And so many people end up surrendering their animals because they don't have the finances to take care of them. And I think it's a really important thing for people to consider um, getting health insurance, pet insurance early on when they get their dogs because it'll be cheaper in the long run and it will save you. And so I'm a big advocate for that. And, and where are your pitties now? What are they doing? Uh, Nelson is on a car ride with my partner, Mark, because Nelson hates when I'm on Zooms. Um, Nelson also, <laughs> uh, Nelson barks when I watch Wheel of Fortune, when the letters ding, he thinks someone's at the door. Um, so he, he, when I Zoom, he'll just, he'll do anything he can to ruin my meeting. So he's on a car ride and... <laughs> Uh, Trooper and Nelson are sleeping somewhere. Yeah. But I'll send you photos. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I would love that. Please do. That'll be great. 
Um, Michael, we want to be respectful of your time. This conversation has been terrific and you've shared just so much inspiration with us. And I think some really tangible takeaways for the audience listening to this as well. On that note, are there any rescues in particular that you'd want to share with the audience? Places where they can get started, either to learn about the process of rescuing a dog or any rescues that you think in particular really need people on their website right now? Thank you so much for asking that question. There are so many rescues doing great work um, all over the country. Um, Some that I'm involved with that I just am huge fans of. One, One is... Um, I'm actually on the advisory board of an organization called the Gray Muzzle Organization. Gray Muzzle is this fantastic organization that raises money and specifically distributes it to rescues all over the country for senior dog care. So it's earmarked only for the care of helping seniors. And so if you have a soft spot for senior dogs, check out graymuzzle.org. You can donate to them knowing that they are the gold standard of um, rescue charities and that your money will be put to great use. If you are a lover of pit bulls, I am a huge fan of Smiling Dog Rescue. They are based in Tucson, Arizona. The woman who runs the organization, Ricka Powell, knows more about pit bulls than anybody in the entire country and is such a wonderful advocate and friend to the breed. And in Los Angeles, um, Big Love Animal Rescue is among my favorite. Big Love Animal Rescue. I also love Wagmore, W-A-G-M-O-R-E in Los Angeles. And then another one is called Wags and Walk Rescue. Those are amazing rescues in Southern California. But again, I encourage anybody listening, if you are interested in a specific breed or a senior or a special need, just Google senior dog rescue and the city you're in or you know, um, bulldog rescue in the city you're in, and you'll be linked to great organizations. And of course, people can go on adoptapet.com or petfinder.com and punch in their zip code and indicate if they want a male or female, the age range, their breed preference, and they'll be linked to, you know, hundreds of dogs in their own community that are available. Oh, and one other thing I want to say. I also encourage people to go to rescue organizations versus your local shelter. Of course, you can go to your local shelter. But when you adopt from a rescue organization, you're actually saving two dogs. The dog you bring home to be part of your family, but the spot you're also opening up for that rescue to save another dog from the shelter. And also, you can tell that rescue organization we love this dog. We would like to foster to adopt, which is basically saying, give us a trial period to make sure it's a good match. And if for whatever reason, it's not a great match and you have to give the dog back, you know that that organization is going to rehome the dog, that it's not going to be euthanized. The worst thing would be to have to bring a dog back to a shelter that euthanizes their animals. 
And so that's a great tip. And you tip. get penalized too if you surrender a dog. In uh, some places. To shelter and, yeah. Yeah. So that's a great way to do it, to just make sure you're set up for success and that you're adopting the right dog. Oh, I hear one right now. That's Nelson, <laughs> who just returned. She <laughs> just got back. Yeah. <laughs> And it's hot here. Hi, Nelson. <laughs> anyway. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it and and love all the work that you're doing. And it's clear that you have such an incredible passion for this space. And I, I personally can't wait to watch whatever new program you put together next around Animal Rescue. There's Archie. Okay, That's Archie. Oh, hi, Archie. <laughs> See the underbite? Quite the underbite. Yeah. See the underbite. Oh my God. He's unbelievable. Well, (laughs) Anya and Julia, thank you so much for having me. You are both delightful, and I so appreciate your passion for dogs. And I think it's wonderful that you're doing this podcast to enlighten people, spread awareness, and celebrate all things slobbery, cute dog, doggy goodness. And uh, I wish you the best. And thank you so very much. Thank you. And I have to say, you're thank the you nicest so much, Hollywood Michael. producer I've met. Let totally. me know if you come. Second that. Thank you. If you come to LA, let me know. Are You're both in DC? I, I live in New York. We both live in New York. Oh, well, if I, when I get to New York, we can meet up there. But please hit me up if you come to LA. Yes, definitely. I'm actually going to be in LA in about a month. So I'll, I'll let you know. I would when love I'm there. to meet you in person. Me too. Me too. Yeah, let's stay in touch. Oh, good. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Well, he was such a delight. You can definitely just see his passion for rescue. I mean, he he probably honestly could have listed like 12 more animal rescues that he has done some sort of work with or knows about because he's so embedded in that space and his heart is fully in it. And I loved hearing how he made this, I don't want to say like, you know, change, but he found this, this passion later in life. It's something that we've talked about on a couple of our other shows. And, you know, I, I would say with Monique Fallows in particular, the woman who's the, um, the shark conservationist, but that it's never too late to discover something new that you can really care about. And it's never too late to become a dog lover, you know, an animal lover either. No, no. And my mom, for instance, I mean, she, you know, when I was unable to take care of uh, dogs a few years ago that I had gotten because I'd moved to New York and they did not like the city at all. They did not want to be in New York. Um, You know, she took them in her early 60s and they transformed her life, she said. I mean, she started walking them every day. She had a, she had companions. She also liked the fact that they bark a lot. So she always knew if someone was at the door and if she needed to be aware of something going on. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. And I think it's never too late potentially to rescue an animal or at least show love and compassion towards an animal and try to help them get into a better place, which he's definitely doing with the shows that he's produced. And, and, um, yeah, I, I just loved him. He was just so sweet. And for the viewers that didn't get to see, um, I forget which one it was that has the underbite, um, that dog, amazing, amazing underbite that, that was a top notch underbite. If he could compete in his dad's show, he probably would win that, uh, <laughs> 
that section of the show. Oh, he he would be the star of it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and I think just in addition to his his passion for rescue animals, the fact that he has a very he's got this great skill set and he applied it towards something that's important that he really cares about. Also inspiring, but I like that he plugged these breed specific rescues because there are so many people, like myself included, who wanted to get a certain breed of dog. And um, we actually we we donate a lot to a couple of the Australian Shepherd Rescue groups, and I, I know that's going to be in our future at some point as well. But people often forget that that if you want a certain breed of dog, there are so many rescues out there. I mean, look at those 4,000 beagles that were recently rescued from that medical mm-hmm. facility. Like beagles are such great dogs. So you know, keep that in mind as well. If you're interested in getting a pooch, but you have a particular, a particular breed in the back of your head. Well, as always, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram, like, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Make sure you leave us a good rating so we get higher up on the algorithm for animal lovers. You can support us on Patreon. And we'll see you next time, as we always do. Bye.